This podcast is brought to you by Enrollment Resources, Innovations in Enrollment Management. Learn more at enrollmentresources.com. Hi, everybody. This is Greg Meeklejohn with Enrollment Resources, and uh, I'm here today with uh, our panel, and uh, we're going to be discussing um, how to motivate and uh, keep your admissions uh, officers active uh, and excited with all this regulatory burden that seems to be swirling right, around right now. So let's dive in with uh, further ado. I would like to... Uh, introduce uh, Lisa Olmedo. Lisa is a VP Strategies with Enrollment Resources and uh, she, uh, prior to being in this industry as a supplier for over a dozen years, she was a DOA with um, Pinnacle, I believe, in the Midwest and has done a, a lot of admissions training over the years. So welcome, Lisa. Thank you very much, Greg. It's glad, I'm glad to be here. And Greg, and this is Scott. I was—I believe I was able to join. Excellent. Hi, Scott. So, folks, I'll also introduce uh, Scott Spitolnik. Uh, Scott is also with Enrollment Resources, VP Strategic Services, and Scott has uh, worked in the industry, the uh, proprietary school industry, the career school industry, for many years. And the last three years prior, prior to joining ER, uh, he was working in. Uh, as uh, admissions training, and he flew all through, all over the U.S. working with schools, helping to uh, get their um, admissions teams all jazzed up. And um, so, welcome, Scott. And I would also like to introduce to you guys uh, Steve Davis. And Steve is uh, VP Education Vertical for Velocify. Velocify is uh, uh, an excellent lead management system tool, uh, and they work specifically in the career education field. And so Steve, he's on the call today because he has some real um, interesting perspective from um, how technology can be used to uh, ease the burden of admissions officers and uh, what they have to, uh, to go through these days with all this regulatory stuff that they're being burdened with. So welcome, Steve. Thanks, Greg. Great to be here, everybody. Thank you. Okay. So what we're going to do, folks, today is we're going to um, uh, touch on um, um, nine of these um, uh, various motivational thought starters that you can look at. Um, and that's based on an article that Steve and I had published in Career Education Review in the October issue. Um, and the publisher of um, Career Education Review is Jenny Fulbert. Uh, now, Jenny, are you on the call right now, by chance? Yes, I am here. Can you hear me? I sure can. Uh, and and uh, Olivia um, Friedel, are you on the call, by chance? Yes, she is. No, not quite yet. So, uh, Jenny. Uh, you seem to be like at the, the vortex of where all this new information is coming in. Um, career Education Review really is a, an, an amazing kind of synthesis of what is going on and it's what we really love about this uh, uh, magazine is uh, that it's, there's just no BS in it. And, and so before we get going, just tell us, you know, what's going to be coming up in your magazine and how people can go and get involved and st start reading your stuff. <laughs> sure, no problem. Um, so for you, those of you who don't know Career Education Review, um, we've actually been around and serving the career education community for over 90 years now. Um, we always focus on articles that we believe are on topics that are going to help schools be successful, and by being successful, we mean providing the best education to their students for their students to be successful. Um, also, I want to thank Enrollment Resources and Velocify for their article. Um, you know, admissions is always an important topic, and I also want to thank them for their continued support of CER. They're very supportive. 
In our next issue, we have a lot of great topics that we're covering. Um, one of the topics is some of the key changes that have been made in the recent audit guide that was released um, this September. There are quite a few changes from the previous one that schools really should know about. Um, another article that we'll be featuring in the next issue is on open educa educational resources for career schools. Now we probably heard a lot about OERs uh, in higher education in general, but we don't hear a lot about uh, career schools using it. So this is really one of the first articles <coughs> about OERs. Um, specifically dealing with career schools. So I think people are going to find that really fascinating. Um, another resource we put together in the next issue is a list of the national accreditor eligibility requirements. We thought it would be helpful to put all of the national accreditor uh, requirements into one document together in one place. So Jenny, um, that's, a a, that's, that's a juicy one. That, that's a great guide. Yeah, we, you know, it, I think a lot of schools are just going to the different uh, websites to see what they are, just out of interest. Um, so we thought it would be helpful just to put it into one document for our subscribers um, so now, they can easily Jenny, look. So, Jenny, how do, uh, what's your, the, uh, your website address? Where, where can folks go? Yep, so they can go to careereducationreview.net. Um, and on our home page, you'll see some of our articles, but you'll also see how you can subscribe. Um, and another thing I wanted to just briefly mention was that we send out a daily news email um, that focuses on career education, community, and what is going on in the sector. Uh, we also, I also put in other higher information, higher ed information, uh, so people can sign up for that too on our website. Um, or people can contact me directly. They can find my information on the website, or uh, my email is jfaub, as in Bob, E-R-T, at careereducationreview.net. Good. Okay, good. So, folks, um, you, this is a, a must-have in your, your library of information, Career Education Review, and, um, uh, you know, I just highly recommend it. So... Now let's move into what was in the uh, uh, the basis of the uh, our article in the October edition. We're going to flesh this out with our panel. The the nine way here's nine thought starters on how to keep folks um, jacked up about what they're they're doing when they're all this bad news is floating around. So the first uh, um, thing we want to share is, and it's really quite obvious, but um, it's often lost in the day-to-day -day operations of education, and that is to give admissions folks a sense of purpose, to reconnect them with the ability to detach from their day-to-day -day function of, of their work, and to really get them, them reconnected to how they, they help the world, how they help students, how they help their community. Lisa, you have some thoughts on this. Do um, you care to expand yeah. on that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was in a training years ago with Nancy Rogers, and I know if anybody's been in the business for a long time, they know who that is. She was a wonderful trainer. One of the things that she told me when I was a director of admissions was that um, she threw out the statistic, 15% of people are going to enroll no matter what you do, 15% are not going to enroll no matter what you do, the other 70% you are directly related to what what the decisions that they make as an admissions person. So you always have to be cheerful. You always have to be direct and responsive of what they are, their questions are and compassionate with them and always act like this is the first time that you're talking about this to a student because it's always the first time that they're hearing it. So again, so, so really what you're saying, Lisa, is that these guys are, which often admissions people will lose um, the connection with their prospects and they forget that they're scared, I might be cynical, I might be feeling yeah. tired. Yeah. Or over-promising, um, things like that, you know, getting out of compliance, you know, just really want to make sure that you're you're saying what, what needs to be said to them in a compassionate way and remembering it's the first time that the students heard it even though you've said it a hundred times. 
So, Scott, uh, expanding on Lisa's comment, I, I think really what it's about is, um, it, yes, it's good to go and stay fresh, but really what it is is to really reconnect with the admissions people and give them a, a, um, a, a sense of purpose about what they, uh, how they help the world beyond just their feeding their family and working for their school. Do you care to expand on that? Yeah, no, absolutely, Greg. And, you know, obviously, you know, any admissions people or for any employee, that matter, of your school has to believe in what you're doing. You know, they have to believe in the school, the processes, and what, they're doing, what you're doing for your students. On the admissions level, you know, really to keep them motivated as well, you have to be their partner. You have to give them a roadmap. You know, as a manager, you know, I've stood there and, you know, we're giving out start goals and things like that. I'm saying, all right, Greg, uh, your start goal is 20. Uh, Lisa, yours is 15, and you watch uh, their eyes rolling back of their head. But, but, you know, but let's, let, let's uh, bring this back, you guys, um, and to the, the sense of purpose. Um, really, it, it, I'm going to step in now and say it really is, folks, your admissions reps are very important people. They are, um, uh, they are doing social good. They are helping... Um, people connect with uh, something that they love. They help people lift people out of poverty. Um, they help, uh, by extension, uh, the community and neighborhoods. And, and the work they do is really um, quite uh, deep. And, it, and they're, yeah, they're ripples. Ripples go everywhere. And, I, and so here's the exercise that you can do with your admissions reps, everybody. And you just do this one thing and nothing else, and you will find that um, things will align, and your actually your your revenue will will climb. So here's what you do: you sit with your admissions folks, and you do a little brainstorming session between everybody. How can you help students? How do you help your community? How do, how is your work bigger than uh, than just your job? And the ripples that you send out out into the community. And uh, the uh, um, uh, in in doing so, you um, you create this amazing um, energetic pulse in in the favor of those people you're helping. Now you get them to write that down, and then print out a bunch of copies, and then tape it to their their desks on their desk, and then you ask that the reps look at that little list. Um, each and every day at the beginning of the day and you'll find that after a month they will be so locked in into how they're helping people and refreshed and re reduced about it then um, it'll actually start to play out in the work that they do in the given day. Okay, that, so... Uh, oh, go, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say that's such a great idea, and also most reps have one or two or three things on the top of their head that is the benefit statements for the school, what sets that apart, and that kind of thing. Putting this list together with all of them together really will help them broaden their horizons of the list of benefits and opportunities that those students have with that school that the rep can use. So, great idea. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Okay. So, item number two. Um, we want to um, really get clear uh, with our reps about um, the blueprint uh, or the best practices that they need to follow. Um, so, you know, you, there's the initially the uh, really having a communication around uh, the career and the life path. You know, if you're scared of blood, you don't want to be a phlebotomist. If you have issues, respiratory issues, you don't want to be a cosmetologist, right? And so it's just making that first connection uh, and qualifying people correctly. And and then building out that education plan. It's amazing the number of admissions officers do not get into the logistics of going to school, transportation, daycare, all those logistics and having backup plans. And, and, and I really think at the end of the day what is um, really important is so many admissions reps are are all about pandering to their employers and pandering to prospective students, anything to get them to say yes. 
and um, and the really courageous, high-quality admissions officers have the courage to say no. So, Steve, you have expertise in business development. Share your thoughts on um, what in sales they call hard qualification, but really it's the courage to say no. Um, and the courage to say no in an admissions process seems kind of counterintuitive. Um, why don't you just expand on that? Yeah, you have to be able, as, a, as an admissions representative, to ask the tough questions because you want the best fit student enrolling in your institution. And to do that, you need to ask tough questions. But some of the questions that have been highlighted a little bit are the must-have, must-ask questions that you have to go into. You want to talk about, you know, the, the life path and what their goals are. Uh, what kind of support structure do you have? Do you have the... Um, do you have daycare for your child if you have kids and this is the first time you're going back to school? What is the history of, you know, your family's education? Are you a first-time potential graduate? You've got to ask the tough questions and, and get some answers because you can pre-qualify people on the front end and really make sure you're getting the best fit student in by asking the right questions. And you have to, you have to be diligent with your reps on that. We travel a lot when we go see potential customers and we always go on site because we want to see what's going on with admissions reps in their day-to-day -day world so that we can really fit our solution around their best practices and make them even better. And, you know, it's interesting when you talk about putting goals and ideas up in front of you, I'd say about half of the schools that we go see on site and we sit with online reps, we sit with admission, admissions reps for an hour at a time every time we travel, I'd say about half of the schools that we go see have written goals written institutional um, agendas that they're trying to get across to their schools or their students, excuse me, and about half don't. Put those things in front of you. I definitely think it matters because your reps will always talk about it. And another thing is, and I always have to talk about the um, CRM lead management uh, focal point here, make sure you're using your technology because if your reps are not putting these things up on, in front of them on paper to ask these questions that you need to be asking to qualify better, Put it in your CRM. You have templates. You have the ability to ask these questions and put them into play with your CRM or lead management solution. Use those scripting templates and put them in play. Okay, good. So we're going to expand on that a little bit in a few minutes. Uh, but that's that's excellent, um, excellent advice. Now, Scott, yes. you know when you, there's so many schools put pressure on admissions officers get the numbers and so having the courage to say to a prospective student I don't think this is a good fit for you um, that seems to me like counterintuitive and you're kind of putting your job at, at risk um, just to, you know flesh that out a bit yeah and, and that's a great point and we could all see what the current climate is from you know some schools doing that. I mean, we're there for a couple of different reasons, naturally for the uh, betterment of our school, but also to do what's right for the student. And if you feel that a student's not a good fit for the program and you're talking them into it or this and that, chances are they're not going to start, number one. And if they do start, they're going to be a drop, um, and, which is bad for the school, bad for the student, you know, as well. So, yeah, in admissions, we have to have the courage to sometimes say, you know what, the program may not be for you. And then you get on to the next one. And in some cases, you may even want to help them find the school with a program that suits them. In the long run, um, you're doing yourself, you're doing the school, you're doing the student, uh, doing the right thing. You really are. And I so had, the, the, sorry, go ahead. Like, yeah, and I've had students like that where you do turn around. They tell you, hey, I appreciate, I appreciate your honesty. And you know what? they become a pretty good source of referrals as well uh, because they may know a friend that. And, and as a rep, you should ask them, you know what, Greg, the program may not be right for you, but who do you know whose life can be changed by coming to my school for medical assisting or massage therapy? In the long run, it makes you feel good, and in the long run, you're doing the right thing for the student or the prospective. You can look yourself in, in the eye in the mirror. You know, the interesting thing, if, uh, and I'm speaking now to owners and people that control budget, is um, 
often the poor admissions officers have to deal with leads that are misled by way of advertising. And you look at a lot of the landing pages that are offering, you know, what's called ad puffery. In fact, um, it's, uh, it's just really lying, if we were going to call it what it is. And so somebody comes in with a set of expectations that the poor admissions officer has to partially dismantle in their qualification process. So you're actually punishing the reps by creating this, this faulty advertising. Um, and it, some ad agencies are, you know, famous for it. But the, the key, here's the, the homework for you, is go and look at all your landing pages and see if they're just too, they set falsely high expectations. Again, another counterintuitive piece is that the um, in, in direct response marketing is that you actually put up the issues um, that somebody may face if they're considering a career. So like, hey, if you're going to be a cosmetologist, you're going to have to be on your feet all day. Um, if you have thrombosis or sore knees or something, you know, this may not be the optimum work environment for you. Or, um, I, no, I'm just picking that, that idea out of the air. But the point being is that when you, in fact, put up issues, um, you actually are setting up your marketing as a trusted advisor sort of marketing versus just BS, you know, promotional BS. And people, consumers are so cynical and sharp, they smell it. And then they get repulsed by it, but they will fill out that form in spite of the ad copy. You want them to fill out the form because of the ad copy. And so don't lie in your marketing. Go back and look at your landing pages, everybody, and uh, see if you're setting up your, uh, your poor admissions officers for failure. Um, so that leads us to clear expectations. Uh, now, um, Olivia Friedel, I know, has been in back east traveling. I'm not sure if she's made this call or not. Olivia, are you, do you happen to be on the call? No, she couldn't make it. So, um, Lisa, yes. I'm going to talk about, get really focused and laser-like on this and talk about clear expectations and non-negotiable behaviors. So, you know, getting people um, really um, clear in between the eyes about um, what they can and cannot do, um, mm -hmm. and that that clarity. Um, it, it seems to me that if you poke someone in the forehead and and start talking about clear expectations, um, my goodness, that that could be. Is that not demotivating or is that counterintuitive? I guess it's not. Hey. Well, you know, I, you have to have some sort of um, process in place. You know, you have to have, you know, like our career training pathway we have, our interview pathway that we have, that works really well to keep people in line and that allows them to create um, their their own unique admissions technique, too. So they're saying everything that they're supposed to be saying. Um, and, and you can develop that yourself or you can have us help you, but you know, you want to have that process in place so that you keep them, you know, when I talk about career services, I'm talking about this, and I'm talking about... Okay, let me just so jump in. Kind of let, yeah. let me just jump in and focus this conversation. Um, the clear expectations, how is that a motivator for an admissions officer? Because they know what they're saying. They're not going to be feeling, you know, um, nervous that they're going to say the wrong thing and get in trouble. And, and you know, they read the... Or they read blogs. They see the news. They, they, you know, they know that 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 could affect the whole entire school if they said or did the wrong thing. So this puts a lot of pressure on your admissions team. So if they have a clear, concise way of where of what they're supposed to say and what they're supposed to do, it alleviates that pressure. So really, um, what what schools should revisit at the management level is: do not say this, do not do that. And put it in a in a clear format that's easy to digest. Uh, maybe put it on the same sheet of paper as the ways that admissions people affect their world yeah, around and, them. And, 
And when I'm doing training, a lot of times I'm like, well, we always have done that before, especially if you have older reps and stuff. So not just do not do this, do not do that, but tell them why they cannot do it anymore. Um, because they, they maybe were used to saying, um, you know, we do have the smallest class sizes. Well, you can't say you have the smallest class sizes now because somebody may have a smaller class size than you and then you're out of compliance because now you've lied to your students and that kind of thing. So you have to be very clear and concise with what you're saying. Um, but again, let the admission trucks know why we have to be that, why, why we're saying what we're saying or why we're asking them not to say things. I, I just harkens back, you know, to this um, Planet Earth series, TV series, an amazing series. It's like National Geographic. And I watched uh, one where a wildebeest was drinking water in a bog and a gila monster bit it on the ankle and, uh, and infused this slow seeping poison. And then all the gila monsters were wandering around as this poor wildebeest gently collapsed into the ground. And then they all descended in and, and started munching on this poor wildebeest. Well, you're wondering where I'm going with this, right? But it's yeah, the analogy. Always. Well, yeah, so the, the analogy is such that the wildebeest is the admissions officer, okay? And mm -hmm. all those flippin' lawyers, those class action suit lawyers, they're like the Gila monsters, and they are hunting because there's, um, in compared to the Western world, there are ten times per capita number of lawyers as there are in any other country in the Western world. They're everywhere. They're like rats, right? And um, and so these, if these admissions officers innocently slip up, or they get too excited, or they they just say a little something n now there are all of these hungry little baby class action lawyers who are looking to make a payday off of culling, pulling some people together, um, and then that can wipe out a school. So Absolutely. Great analogy, Greg. Well, thank you, Lisa. I followed it in everything, yes. Well, <laughs> well, Greg and Lisa, you know, this is Steve. I just want to add that when you're talking about these important facts, it's also something you can do is use your technology to help control this environment as well with your reps. So what I'm saying is if you've got a CRM or, or management system in place where you can put in what you want your reps to be saying and kind of give them a template of talking points, you can build discussion tracks for them that keeps them away from saying things that might put your school in danger. Use your, use your scripting tools. They're out there. All systems have them. Uh, at least most of them do that I'm familiar with. So use those scripting tools and you can help even more on that. And another thing you can do is if you have the ability to automate your emails, make them personal, uh, you can show those emails to legal, make sure that they're all safe and compliant going out. Then you're really ensuring that your rep's email messaging for the school is going out in the right way and you're safe there as well. So I just wanted to bring so, you back so, out on that. So Steve, so, you know, let's keep rolling on the, on the tech side. Um, so really, I guess what you're, you're kind of talking about is giving, um, you know, while the, the admissions officers are getting beaten down with all this regulatory stuff, if you can put some arrows in the, in the quiver of, uh, of the admissions officer, some technical assists like speed to respond technology, to, um, easy to use scripting points, um, why don't you expand on that, take a moment and expand on uh, some of the easy to access um, technology hacks, if you will, that yeah, business officers can use. Sure, and it's uh, it's important because you know you you can't compensate your reps on performance anymore. So why not why not find the best technology for them to make their jobs easier? Take away the mundane tasks. Take away the manually putting together emails. Or when I when I travel around a lot. I will sit with admissions reps that have a lot of email templates stored in, a, in Word docs, and they will literally clip and paste, clip and paste, clip and play, paste all day long with their, their, their lead pipeline um, emails into another template and then send it out. They're working in two different uh, screens. It can get a little confusing, and you might send out the wrong email. But you know what? The way you can use technology today is, is amazing. If you find the right technology out there, get your reps the best that you can for them because you make their job simpler. You take away the, uh, 
thought process of what do I say in this email? You control what you say in the email. If you've got a email template that's trigger based and basically follows a call pattern and you send out emails in, in, in structure in, in a guideline of where the student is in the enrollment process, set those emails up to be triggered, then the reps don't even have to think about it. If a rep misses an appointment, a, an email goes out that says, hey, you forgot, you forgot or something came up, we understand, let's reschedule. You have all these different email templates and text messaging templates out there that, that can make the job of a rep much simpler, much easier. And obviously, you know, Greg talked about speed to lead. There, there are a lot of solutions out there that you can use to make very fast first responses, uh, whether you're using an outside contact center or you've got your own uh, dial solution with your lead management system. Well, Steve, uh, you guys, uh, Velocify has a speed to lead uh, um, solution, I believe. Um, I, I guess, you know, what's cool about it is that if, if you can make uh, an admissions officer's life a little easier, and take a, a half an hour a day or an hour a day of administration off their desk, then they have a half an hour or an hour a day to free them up to go to a higher creative place. They can actually take that administrative time and dedicate it to helping people or going out to visit a vocational counselor or you know, doing some juicy work, right? No, that's absolutely right. You, you save time by eliminating the, the manual work of sending out emails, making, like deciding who to call. Uh, you know, if you've got a Velocify system in place, you're going to know who the next person is you should be calling. You're going to be using a click-to-call dial solution. You're going to rifle through your, your uh, prospect list very quickly, and everything's going to be streamlined for you. So there are systems out there that do that. Use them. And you will save time. Greg, you nailed it on the head. It, it can be a half hour to an hour a day. Um, you know, I've talked to folks who tell us that it, it feels like we have an extra admission staff because the solution uh, saves, saves time and increases productivity. So use technology out there that's going to get more with less, basically. Good, okay. Now, um, the, one of the things somebody could do with extra time, and this is a kind of an oddball thing, but encourage your folks, encourage your admissions reps to, um, to read and to read um, things that have nothing to do with their jobs. Read about sociology, current events, psychology, neurolinguistic programming, career, get, have them working on career counseling certifications, HR uh, ideas. Myers-Briggs assessments, get them learning that. Things that are kind of around the edges and complementary to their core job. Scott, what is the, what is the value in, in having admissions officers sort of enriching themselves with non-linear types of new knowledge? Well, it's, it definitely helps them as far as when they are talking to a prospective student, but uh, some of the things you mentioned, things like, uh, you know, career services and psychology, you know, probably one of the best things that you can have your staff do is shadow each other for an hour or two hours, even within the school. You know, having a resident with financial aid, having yeah. them sit with uh, career services, and vice versa. And that way, really gives them a true knowledge what they're, what each one is up against. And I tell you what, it, it it's great for morale because, uh, you know, if you've got traditionally admissions and financial aid, maybe at odds, but just that hour, two hours, letting them sit, letting a financial aid officer sit with the rep and see them make forty calls to get maybe two contacts or three contacts, having a rep sit with financial aid and seeing. The second selling that they're doing with the student, it, it does great for morale, and it also enriches their knowledge in you know some of the other areas, without being dangerous. But it, it but it, it, but it is great as far as uh, you know showing them what they're up against. Having a rep and, the receptionist and seeing him or her fielding fifty calls, uh, and, it, and you just don't you just don't know where it's going to go. Like for instance, um, when you send HR officers out to sit with employers, HR managers of people who are hiring graduates. Well, guess what? The HR manager starts to think and says, hey, I've got hundreds and hundreds of people that I would love to hire because of their attitude. 
but they are lacking training. And then by having admissions reps starting to learn about HR practices and meeting with HR officers, boom, they can create this real rich vein of back-channel referrals from the HR departments of employers. And your career Crazy. services department, when they're going out, they can come back with referrals or personally developed inquiries. And it's, you know, it's a, it's a great cycle to get into because then everybody is taking ownership in your school. Not only admissions trying to get students in, but they're trying to keep students in. They're trying to find new avenues for jobs, career services, trying to find new avenues for personally developed inquiries to bring back to admissions. Yeah. And it gets everybody working in constant. It really does. So now, you know, folks, we've got all this um, interesting uh, ways in which to engage admissions officers, and we, we're now talking about our processes and being clear about them, having expectations. And so a motivating factor is to take those best practices and tying those into the job description so that if the admissions rep does not follow the best practices, then they can be dismissed for cause. Now, that's, that statement I just made sounds really harsh. Why, Lisa, might that be motivating? Well, because you're going to have, you're going to have um, your rock star reps in there, because if you weed out the cancerous ones that don't want to conform or don't want to do what they need to do, then you're just going to have, you know, motivated, highly motivated, happy admissions people. Yes, that's exactly right. So what happens is in the pre-regulatory abyss, before that all happened, you could put up, there was tolerance around people that wouldn't follow best practice. But now if people don't follow best practice, uh, it can destroy a school. And uh, we've seen some examples of it coming down the pipe lately. So taking best practice and tying it into the job description is really um, a way to move people who are non-cooperative and that don't really fully embrace the seriousness of not following best practice out the door. So that's harsh. But when you see uh, there's a, a group of admissions reps and they see one admissions rep leaving for that reason, it it really gets people, their minds sharpened, you know, as to what best practice is all about. Right, um, and then they want to conform to that because they don't, you know, but it also, it I think it's kind of contagious because then they conform to the best practices and they see better results and then it's kind of like a vicious circle of, okay, well, if I do this right and I do this the way that it's best practice, then I'm going to see better results. And I'm yeah, going to enroll more people and help more people and be happier. And Yeah. Now, now, inside of best practice, this is where it gets interesting. You can create opportunities for people to have their little own, little high-performance split-testing laboratory. So, okay, everybody, let me explain. So, direct response marketing is all about split-testing. And if and if an admissions officer take the best practices of direct response and start split testing some of their communication, they can create tremendous increases in uh, productivity while staying within best practice. So here's an example. Uh, you know, you're out. Um, Scott said you make 40 attempts. You you get talk to two people. What if through split testing you try different ways to, to leave messages. Because leaving a message is like a radio ad, except you just have one person listening instead of 10,000. And, uh, and so through trial and error um, and keeping track of the number of people that are calling, you can actually get more people to phone you back. So if you're making 50 outbound phone attempts a day, let's just say, that's uh, like 1,000 a month, we'll call it. And... Uh, if you can get, oh, let's say one out of 30 people to return your phone call that otherwise was not doing so, right? That's um, another 30 meaningful conversations, which should land somewhere between three to six students a month. Like, whoa, that's crazy. So you can do that with phone messages. Your reps can do that with um, 
subject lines on emails they send out, um, all sorts of little miniature communication pieces that they can, through trial and error, um, test out. Now, why this is... More, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Jump in. I was just going to say, it makes it more fun and interesting for the admissions person, again, getting them motivated and excited about their jobs. Yeah. That's exactly. Greg and Lisa, just a, just a tech piece to add to that. Uh, this is Steve here. I want to mention that, you know, if you've got the technology in place to do A-B testing and do, do, do split tests like you're talking about, Greg, if you have the ability to do pre-recorded voice messages and have them siphon out, you can set you can basically move messaging around, have, have reps record their messages and with a hit of a button, leave it, and you can test new messages that way by just constantly updating what you're saying on a message. You can do the same thing with subject lines and emails and automate that. So use your technology around these talking points as well. So it's easy to do. Love it. Okay, so it's not only going to be fun and empowering because you have some personal control in your day, but now working with Steve, you can make it easy. So there you go. No reason not to try it. Um, now, the, the the other thing that's an extension of testing is you know there are we there's no um, safe harbors anymore, um, but what you can do is is have reps focusing on uh, high value activities that tend to correlate tightly with results. So, in simple terms, uh, a uh, a meeting with a prospective student would be a high value activity. Um, and maybe if we're going to use a point system as an example, that would be like a twenty point activity. And getting someone on the phone to arrange a meeting, maybe that's worth 10 points. But pushing out emails and phone messages, that's a, uh, a low activity in terms of leading to results. So maybe that's one point. So if an admissions officer's goal maybe is to get 60 points in a day, that would be like three meetings or one meeting and one phone call to set up a meeting and... 30 voicemails. So the point I'm, I'm, I'm just sharing this little idea is you focus on the high value activities and you attach point totals and you skew them heavily in favor of the activities that lead to a result. And what that does is it naturally allows the admissions officer to just walk away from the busy work, the useless work that people will thrash around in often out of human nature. Scott, you want to expand on that a little idea? Yeah, I think making it fun and challenging them, they, they'll rise to the challenge, they really will. Another activity that I used to love to do and I always recommend is teaming your reps up. If you've got, let's say you have four reps you know, working for you, teaming two of them up, and if they have an hour lunch, say, hey, you know what, you two take two hours for lunch, but come back, I'm challenging you to bring back uh, two personally developed inquiries apiece. And you know what? They'll come back with three or four. The person behind the counter at McDonald's will start to, hey, have you ever thought about uh, you know, going into medical? So what do you do when you're not working at McDonald's? Uh, it takes 30 seconds. But by pairing them up, they'll come back between the two of them. They'll come back with five, six, seven personally developed inquiries. And, you know, and that's a high value. Uh, I think that's very high value if they can come back with personally developed leads. If you've got well, four reps that on a weekly basis, you know, coming back with three PDIs apiece, well, that's 600 leads a year that you're not paying for, and you're going to convert them at, even if you convert them at 5%, that's another 30 enrollments that isn't costing you anything. So, yeah, activities like that, making it fun, and... Yeah. Go see some HR managers and ask for referrals. Hey, who do you know? that you'd love to hire, but they're undertrained. Who do you know internally in your organization that you want to train up? Or go to, if you have an IT program that you're marketing, go to the uh, the, the blue chip computer retailer and say, hey, can I put, put a table up on a Saturday afternoon and talk to people about um, taking that I, that IT hobby that they have and turning it into a career. And just, you could do all kinds of fun things. Um, uh, Steve, you can gamify the admissions. You, you can turn this into a, a almost like a game. Admissions officers can use technology to, like with our, our virtual advisor 
software. It's it's gamified um, lead qualification. It makes it fun. So yeah, I I I. It's funny you talk about gamification. I used to not be the biggest fan of it years ago, but uh, as I've gotten more exposed to the concept of gamification and gamification tools, I am a fan of it. And it had to do with actually traveling around, uh, seeing clients, using our solution, and you know, not just Velocify that has gamification tools, but other solutions do as well, of course. But seeing the internal competitions that get created when you can't compensate for performance anymore, the things that I've seen out, out in the market that schools use to make it fun for their reps are creating daily games, daily challenges with leaderboards put up on big screen TVs. I'm talking 55, 60 inch TVs where everybody's face is on the board. Uh, you know, different games are set up, different competitions are set up. Who set the most appoint campus appointments for the day? Who's, who's taken the most online applications today? And they'll have their whole team up on the screen. And as I've traveled around and I've just seen this more and more, I am completely sold on it. It's definitely something that helps create morale and spirit uplifts within the uh, admissions teams. Uh, DOAs are actually able to get an idea of, you know, not that they're not looking at their numbers daily and, and through the hour, but you can actually start seeing trends of somebody's low on the scoreboard every day. DOAs can actually learn from that and, and go and uh, coach and train and help the rep. But the reps love it because they're all salespeople. And what do we, what do we love in sales? We love to compete. We, we love to win and we are enrolling students. So the, the reps like it every day because they want to be at the top of that board. It's a pride thing, but yet it's uh, something that creates a lot of encouragement. I see within the team, if somebody's had a couple of bad days and they're low in, in score rankings, their team's picking them up. So it, it definitely makes a big difference. I'm a fan of it. And if you've got gamification in your tool, definitely be using it. Okay. I think on that note, um, this is a perfect time to uh, go and uh, wind this down. Um, ladies and gentlemen on the call, uh, you know, our panel, we hope we've just left you with some ideas and some thought starters. And you know what? We have a draw. We have a little door prize. Um, Folks, uh, we at Enrollment Resources, we do mystery shopping, right? And so what we'll do typically when we do one of these is we'll give away uh, a mystery shop to the first three people that call in. And so how we do this is we don't do it by phone. We do it by text message. And, um, and so we're going to go and... Uh, uh, we're going to go and uh, do that. So... Let's get that housekeeping out of the way. So here's the phone number, 250-888-7111, uh, 250-888-7111. Now we'll slot this in with the regular mystery shopping we do, so we can't like, do it immediately. It'll be over a few weeks, but um, the first three people that will go and, uh, and call, text that number will get you on board. Now... Um, we finally, we have a couple of questions, clarifying questions, and um, so, Catherine, the, um, what? I actually have to use your phone, so. Hi, everyone. Um, the questions that were on the call are, what are the um, auto, what's the, what's an example of the auto reply, what's the software that can be used? And Steve, I think you can probably answer that one. And of course the other one was Jenny Fulbert's email, but let's start with Steve's answer. So uh, auto reply um, on email, is that what the question is? Um, can you just clarify a little bit more for me? Yes, uh, I think the question is how to use um, uh, auto responders and auto reply as it relates to um, uh, as it relates to um, contact strategy, yeah, that's right. Yeah, expand okay. on that, Steve. So, you know, what you want to do if you're using technology and you're automating your your communication strategy, your enrollment strategy, your contact strategy, you want to basically set things up to send out auto response emails in conjunction to where you are in your enrollment cycle with any given student at any given time. So. 
basically if you know you have a inquiry that comes in and you make a first call or first of all when you have an inquiry come in you're obviously going to have an auto email that goes out and welcomes them to looking into your school so you have a nice friendly welcoming email that goes out then you might set it up so that if you after the first phone call you send another personalized email that's auto generated from your system goes out and it speaks to the fact that hi I've just reached out to you and I've made my first attempt I'm trying to connect with you here's a good number to reach me at please give me a call you basically trigger your emails around your contact strategy all the way through your enrollment cycle no matter where the student is and you have different emails set up for different segments of the enrollment cycle going along the pathway to enrolling them so that's how um, I recommend that you use auto emails and auto response emails is to basically set them up as triggers as part of your overall communication strategy and you mix in different emails with different messaging along the enrollment path so that it makes sense to the student and they're getting the right timed email at, at the right time in the process that they're uh, trying to enroll in. Now the mistake that um, schools make uh, is that they, they, they get transactional in nature. Um, so what happens is that the when something comes in by email, maybe 30% of those are people actively ready to go to school. 70% are people who are in the research mode. And education can take like a year and a half, two years for the, the time that thought enters into somebody's head to the time they're actually in school. And so there's a, there's a horrible disconnect bet between the reps the admissions reps who think, oh, it's a lead, it's a lead, and then they go on this by extension, then there's this autoresponder um, trail that goes, oh, lead, 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 lead. And the poor person receiving this information is going, oh, I just want to research, man. And so the, the analogy I've used, and it's a stupid one, I'll repeat it, but it's like... Um, you know, there's a cherry tree, and these people go, and they there's some red cherries, some underdeveloped green cherries, some bud cherry buds that are just emerging, and these people go and they raise the entire cherry tree, strip it of everything, and then they pick the red cherries, and they leave the green cherries and the the cherry buds to rot on the ground. That's what happens when you're using transactional communication to people poor people who just want to research and learn about a career they're starting their thought process it's really um, it's like taking somebody out on a Starbucks coffee date and then asking them at the end of the date if they want to get married I mean like it's crazy right so instead what you want to do is take those people who are researching and help them help them uh, give them tools hey here's a great uh, career assessment tool that you might want to go through, and it's a lot of fun. Hey, here's um, some government detailed stats on what it's like to be a phlebotomist, or uh, and including wages and projections. And hey, here's a way for you to assess your personality type as it relates to careers. That kind of stuff creates creates value, right? And with that value. Right, so there, there you go. That, that, that's just adding on to Steve's point. Is yeah, there's the timing is crucial, but what you put in that uh, that email communication is more more important. And so, um, humanize that, humanize the emails, Greg. Too. I mean, empowering them. Oh. Sorry, say again. I was saying it comes down to engaging them, and most important, also empowering them to be a big part of the decision, not us telling them this is what you need to do. They have to tell themselves, hey, this is what I need to do, and they have to get to their core sense of urgency by utilizing some of the tools that we're giving them as well. Got it. Yeah, good. Okay. Now, Catherine, uh, you, any other questions? No, Catherine's not there. Oh, wait, hold on. She's just coming in my office here, folks. Do when a student says, "Is your school going to be around in six months?" Ah, uh, yeah. So, 
we've had a technology flash here, folks, and Catherine came in here, flew into the office, and shared a really compelling question, and that is, um, how do you, the question is, how do you address when a prospective student is in your office and says, how do you promise that I will be, school will be around in six months, given all that adverse uh, PR that's out there and the schools closing now and again. The only schools that are closing are proprietary schools. So, um, Lisa, any thoughts on that? That's a tricky one, eh? I would, yeah, I would refer to my crediting agency and how long they've been there versus how long the school's been there. You know, if you've been assured that your school is in good standing and going strong, then there's no reason to think that it's going to close. Ah, good. That's excellent. That's a good answer. So, um, yeah, accrediting agencies are, uh, you know, they're the, the protectors of the uh, quality in it, higher ed and, uh, and if they show the school in good standing, then boom. Now there's also bonding. And uh, so I guess really that gets back to marketing. Um, so Scott, you know, if somebody has the courage to tell the truth in their marketing and explain, um, like, like that could be an issue. Um, and that should be explained in the copywriting. Hey, um, you know, will you, are you guys going to be around in six months given all this crazy media? And then it's like, yes, our accrediting body is ABHES, which has been around for 120 years, and we are in good standing for the last 15 years, and blah, 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 and flesh it out. Yeah. So that when you it know, makes it comes it, down... Oh, sorry, go, go, ahead, ahead, go ahead. No, after you. Well, it, you know, I was going to say it comes down to, you know, showing that you've met or exceeded the criteria set forth by the accrediting, uh, you know, accrediting body, DOE, Things like uh, accurate job placement stats, uh, you know, no findings when the accrediting commission has come in for walkthroughs and things like that. Um, and it's really, really being honest in your advertising, particularly when it comes to job placement stats, which we've known in the past schools have gotten nailed on because they've uh, kind of cooked, cooked the books in some cases. So, you know, you have to be confident in those stats and they have to be accurate, whether it's job placement, completion rates, and you know all those things, and that's really that's really the ammunition that you would have to uh, you know the ammunition you have to have. Yeah, and and freely uh, use uh, the Department of Labor uh, labor stats on various job types because you know although you know there's been it's been pretty crazy with the with politics and government in the U.S., but I can't see the Department of Education suing the Department of Labor like you know, their own sibling, that would seem crazy. And so I would say the the ONET stats from the Department of Labor would be untouchable or um, in terms of, you know, sharing information. So that, that's another way to say here, we're training for massage therapy. Here are the ONET, is the ONET's details. It shows that it's an excellent career path according to ONET the Department of Labor, and we're training for it. And our training is really good because we have this regulatory agency overseeing us. And so the idea, I guess, if I could just bring this into a point, and that is you brand ride. And you brand ride using reputable regulatory agencies that you're interacting with. And uh, putting your phone number for those agencies on your website or your landing pages. And if the student wants to take it upon themselves to call and say, hey, is ABC a good school? Well, they may not, you know, they may say, well, all we can tell you is that they're in good standing. And that's, you know, that's a pretty good endorsement without them endorsing. I mean, that's really all they can tell you. Yeah, that's good. So, folks, um, we want to be respectful of people's time budgets and uh, get you on your way. Uh, if you have any comments or questions, just feel free to uh, uh, communicate to either Velocify or to Enrollment Resources, and uh, just you know, jump on through the website or give us a call. We're all easy to find, and uh, and then we'll go and uh, and help you out. Um, 
We'll be back to you about the free mystery shop uh, probably by the end of the day to tell you if you've won or not. And um, I think that's it. Um, Jenny, any final goodbyes here? Jenny's not. Oh, sorry, <laughs> I am here. Um, again, for anyone who did have questions about career education review, um, if you go to our website, uh, you know, you can just Google career education review. My information's all over the site, um, so feel free to contact me. Great. Or call, um, jump on to Velocify.com or EnrollmentRelearses.com. And again, we're happy to clarify any of this stuff for you guys um, on the phone. We won't bug you or beg you. Just help you out. So everybody have yourself a good day. And uh, go keep your chin up and keep your feet moving. And uh, don't give up. Keep going. All the best. Thank you. Take care. Thanks. This podcast is brought to you by Enrollment Resources, Innovations in Enrollment Management. Learn more at enrollmentresources.com.